Okay, here we go. Really, really, here we go. Um, I have some more. Apparently, everybody likes the book, so I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you like the book. It's fun when you find things that you like. Um, it's just nice. It's like having a good friend. I ordered five more. I should have them. I might even have them for Sunday, but clearly next week. And I'll just order some more. I don't want to have you know 20 of them on the shelf or anything. But um, does anybody need a book? So I need one over here. Anybody else need a book? Want a book? So five is going to be the right number, probably. That's fun. Uh, just keep it. It's a fun. You know, discipline is a fun thing. If we could hear discipline in a gospelly sort of way, like this is kind of good for you, you know. Um, so anyway, and the prayers are genius. I mean, they're really quite, quite, quite nice. So the St. Clair one, I agree. It was the second day two, the one from St. Clair. Actually, I'm going to run it, I think, in a week or two, and it'll be the opening prayer for the margin comments. Really nice. Okay, here we go. Um, so just a little bit of catch-up from last week. Um, you know, we were a little, I mean, we were off the grid, uh, sort of, but that's kind of an idea. But just sort of the takeaway for you is... Um, you know, just in your own protection, I, and I too have been, I, I think after last week's discussion, I'm a little more careful about what I say and even what I think, you know. Um, what you don't verbalize isn't known. Only God reads your hearts, right? Nobody else, nobody else reads your thoughts. So if you don't verbalize it, it's not known. When you do verbalize something, two things can happen. One is you wrap it up in the name of Jesus, and then it's utterly protected. So you can allow say to your friends, I need some help here, or we gather prayers like we did this morning, or you can speak aloud to your friends or to your you know, spouse or your kids, and you say, you know, this really troubles me, or I really need some help. Um, God can hear that. Satan can hear that. Everybody can hear that. The thing is, if you wrap it in the name of Jesus, um, and, and here's the thing. I've got to be a little careful here. Everything you do as a Christian is wrapped up in the name of Jesus unless you push it outside, you know? So if everything you do, because you're baptized, your whole life is bound up in Christ. You're, you're bound to Christ. You're in communion with Christ. You embody Christ. So um, when you say, you know, I'm terribly sick, or this really hurts, or I have this weakness, so long as it's wrapped up in the name of Christ, you don't have to worry about that. You're protected. Um, and so we talk then about how you don't have to worry. Um, you know, even the hairs on your head are numbered. How um, God will do a better job with things than you will. And... Um, also, the prayer of a righteous person avails much. So in one sense, it's okay to verbalize your troubles, weaknesses, needs, hopes um, in the name of Jesus, and that's all fine. And it's the way a community then works. So you've got Jesus praying for you. We did that text. That's Romans 8. Jesus prays for you all day long. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, that's Hebrews 5. Romans 8, the Holy Spirit prays for you all day long. The saints do what Jesus and the Holy Spirit do. So the saints are praying for you all day long. And of course, that doesn't mean that's the only thing going on in heaven. It just means that the saints are praying for you. That's all over the place. That's Revelation 9 or something where the saints are under the altar saying, look at how our friends are suffering. Can you, can, let's bring this thing to an end and wrap it up. It's such a nice little thing that you know, your friends in heaven are looking down saying, ah, I wish you're, I, our life is so good and their life is so difficult. Help them, you know, go help them. So that's one side. Everything you do with a pure heart, and so now I just want to be really careful here, to have a pure heart means to have a forgiven heart. So it doesn't mean you have to muster up some great prayers or afraid that your prayers aren't good enough. We sin with everything we do. 
A pure heart means a forgiven heart. It means you do everything within the Eucharist. It means you do everything within your baptism. It means you do everything within the church. Whatever is done within the church, so whatever is done within the creed, whatever is done within the Ten Commandments, whatever is done within the Lord's Prayer, what's ever done within the community, you know, what's ever done within the in divine virtue, you know, um, patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, you know, forbearing, all the fruits of the Spirit, whatever is done within that is completely safe and can be completely honest. It's protected. On the other hand, you know, what people put out or what you might put out or I might put out as complaint or gossip or lie or sinfulness exposes us to the demonic because we verbalize our weaknesses. We tell, it's as if we tell Satan exactly where our weaknesses are. If you tell evil people where your weaknesses are, that's where you'll be attacked. If you tell the demonic where your weaknesses are, that's where you'll be attacked. And so when you step outside you know, your baptism, when you step outside your Eucharist, when you tell a lie, when you gossip, when you're in constant complaint um, against God or against other people, you actually you show, you show your weakest points, and that's, that's why people get attacked. And you can read that all over in the Psalms. You know, I was this, and you know, the world came down on top of my head. It's not the only reason evil things happen. We've talked about evil things in other venues. But you invite evil into your life when you step outside the Ten Commandments. You invite it in. You show an opening. You know, it's like not having the firewall up on your computer. Or it's like having your phone tapped. You know, you're, you're telling people. So, you know, first is to, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but not every thought needs to be voiced, right? <laughs> occasionally you can just, <laughs> occasionally, you know, you can just, you can just keep, as, as my kids say, keep it inside, you know? Occasionally, you don't have to tweet it. It doesn't have to be posted, you know? And this is, what's really interesting is we live in a generation where now, Everybody thinks they can tweet everything or post everything with no consequences. It's like, absolutely. And people think, you know, if you have a thought, it's just who you are. It's, it's kind of this, it's just, in, in a way, it's this very funny elevation of human beings again. That If I think it, it must be okay. Well, actually, no. There's this constant battle between good and evil going on. So voice the good stuff, you know, hold the bad stuff down. It doesn't mean you can't, you got to repress everything. It means you bring the bad stuff to the proper venues, to private confession, to the altar at, uh, at the Eucharist, to the, you, you, basically what pastors do, the church does your dirty laundry. You leave it here, and then we sort of, isn't it like magic when you take your stuff to the lot? I mean, do this, that Korean woman who does my, she's magic. I bring her this stuff that's all bundled up. Who could that be? Uh, and, and, you know, I come back two days later, and it's perfect. I'm like, you're like the little baby Jesus to me. So um, uh, she's a strong Christian. Uh, I mean, they, they actually, they're Korean, so actually, I'm a pastor, so what do they do when I come in? They both bow. I'm like, making me very nervous here. Uh, but no, they're utterly respectful of me. She does, actually. And they're very, although there is a bit of a language barrier, you know, so it's, I'm never quite sure if I'm getting through. But, uh, but, but um, we talk about church and kids, and, and, you know, they do the church's stuff, too. She once said to me the other day, she said, how many priests do you have over there? Because the altar good ladies take all this stuff. How many is there? Because all these, we have all these guys helping at the altar now, so there's a, you know. So anyway. Yeah, she's very nice. She's very, she's very, very nice.
So anyway, that's as far as we got, which is, which is good, you know, just the, the Lenten discipline of... So I just want to be really clear about this. It's not that you can't express your pain. In fact, one of the worst things people can do is sort of try to just stuff it all down. It's to express your pain in the proper venue, wrapped up within the confines of the church, because the church knows what to do with it. The church is genius in terms of taking care of evil things and troubled things. You know, the church knows just what to do. They've been practicing for 4,000 years. So um, that's actually a good thing. What you have to be careful is when you go off on your own. And, um, you know, and so everything can be done two ways. We've talked about that a gazillion times. All right, everything okay? So that was all for last week. Uh, the thing is, we didn't, we didn't do very much uh, in terms of the... But that's actually okay, too. I mean, the only... Um, you know, it just means we just keep going. I know, you can't, you can't believe we went off on a tangent, right? Here's the thing, everything, I said this the very first day I was here, everything is connected to everything else. In the, in the, in this, everything is connected. You pull on one piece. I mean, it's like, the, you know, you shift this lever and you know, everything engages over here. You've got to pay some. Everything is connected. As I once, when I was in college, I, mu- I once met with a dean indignantly about something I thought was a great injustice. She listened to me for about 10 minutes, and then she, just, she, then she, she, she very wisely said, um, well, the rules are just the last best way we figured out how to do things, which means, you know, there's, things can always change and morph into something else. I thought, that's, that's a genius thing that's always stuck with me. Rules are just, you know, the last best way we thought to do things. So the outline, it's just the last best way. You know, it's, it's just not, we're not even close to this yet. Um, so here's, here's where we started uh, before we went on that tangent. The prayer is unlike anything else, and that we actually um, learn more from our failures than our successes. By the way, Kleinig will be here October 20th through the 22nd. Uh, so he'll preach and we'll probably do. Hey, just as an aside, you want to help me? Um, we talked about this last time. You gave me the topic of meditation. He's doing um, spiritual warfare a couple of different places, too. Is there anything you just desperately want to hear from him? If you could hear about anything, what do you want to hear about? Okay, well, you can think that over from a guy who kind of knows everything. Um, it'll be, it'll be kind of fun. So anyway, you know, this notion that, um, and, and actually, I feel like you, maybe the book is helpful toward this, which is, the book is a very safe way to pray. That's an extraordinarily safe way to pray, because you have to sit down and think about, what am I going to do? You sit down, you read the book in your personal, it's like coming to the morning Eucharist or coming to church on Sunday. You don't have to think about, how am I going to manufacture what should be important? When you use a book or when you give yourself over to somebody really bright um, and spiritual, St. Clair, St. Francis, they sort of guide you into it. Say this, say that. We've tried this. We've learned that. Uh, and believe me, you learn a lot by being the abbot of, you know, you put, you know, you put 100 monks in a place and I'll try to get them to, you know. I mean, can you imagine trying to, I mean, gee whiz. So you learn a lot. They learn a lot about people. And, and, and so you don't have to feel bad about your prayers. You try to do them, and sometimes you won't do them, but you try to do them, you get better. You fail, you learn that you fail. Your failure takes the pressure off you in a way. It reminds you that you're not perfect. So your failures remind you that you're not God. Your failures um, can sometimes cause you some pain, and that pain can push you back into doing it again. So in some sense, um, you know, I had to. somebody reminded me this week, and I didn't realize this because I didn't start this bit, but we hadn't updated the title of this thing. So if you were going to title this class, what would you title it? Yeah, but see, I, I thought they, well, I, so I, I put enjoying your prayers because I wanted to get you out from a, it, it, 
It does, but I didn't want to get the, I didn't want to get any, I can't go anywhere. You're, but here's the thing, I can go anywhere anyway. It could, you could be Pez and I would still find a way to go anywhere I wanted to, okay? So, um, the world's greatest candy, by the way, in my Christmas stocking every year. Pez is just like, you know. And here's the thing, I don't need the dispenser, because the dispenser just slows you down. You just can't get them in fast enough. It's, it's too slow. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That's my baby. All right. Uh, no, no, it's just like, you know, it's not satisfying. It's too slow. Yes, that's right. This, you can't get the see. But I digress. Yes, right. There's a lot of good Valpo people around here. So um, I actually am going to return you to, uh, like, about two lines down on this thing, okay? So, um, you know, guilt is the great enemy of prayer, which is why I, that's what, Jeanette, that's why I was a little nervous. I thought just about prayers, but I tried to push it toward enjoying your prayers because guilt is this great enemy. If we, and this, I tried to say this on Ash Wednesday too, if Lent is your enemy, it'll never do you any good. Lent is this time for you to kind of just kind of read, look, look at your life and you kind of shape things up a little bit. It's, 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 a, it's a little bit of doing better, right? Um, but we know we're going to fail. If we know that in advance, it's okay. Now, the reason the pressure's off is that God doesn't need your prayers. Right? God doesn't need you. He doesn't need you, and he doesn't need your prayers. That's the, that's the good news. So that means your prayers are only for you. It, what? It, it is therapy in one way. Yeah, actually, when you put things out, you know, often if you go to a therapist, one of the things they tell you to do is to write that down. You know, have you been this where they, you write your letter to your dead mother whom you always wanted to say the things you always wanted to say? And, you know, I mean, getting it out is helpful. That's genius. It is. Incredible. Partly because it started with cleaning. Yeah, but but then beyond that. Yeah, it's, that's actually, that's going to be my new favorite festival, grave sweeping. That's actually cool. Think of all the cool things that are going on there. You put things in order. You make everything external. You give it to somebody else. Then you have lunch. It's perfect. It's like a funeral. When I drop dead, this is what you, go over, Kirby, take me over there. You have grave sweeping. You say a few things. You burn up the prayers. You come back here and you have potato salad. It's perfect. It's what the church does, Right? Absolutely right. That, it's, 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 it's genius. That's a really great story. It is a good festival. That's nice. I didn't know. The Day of the Dead always seemed more grim to me. I don't know enough about it. It always seemed a little more, didn't quite seem so happy to me, but maybe it is. Maybe it's so. What's well, a good, yes, go ahead. Yeah. Uh-oh. Per had to be. Oh, oh, sorry. No, I was, I was just, I actually, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, the prayer is. Yeah. If you can just translate perfect as forgiven, you can probably hold on to that. They were probably trying to get you to pay attention. I mean, no, I'm just all kids. They just, you know, it's the big ruler thing. I mean, there's a reason for the big ruler, and, you know, just pay attention. Although, see, the thing is, is actually somebody brought me a bulletin from a Catholic church with, in some, this week, so it was, in some ways it was very helpful. It told about the days of abstinence and the days of fasting. So in Lent in the Catholic church, but it was very much like this. 
on the days of abstinence, if you've attained the age of 14, you must observe the fast, one large meal, two small meals. On, no, that's, that's the days of, I, did I have this confused? That's the days of fasting. On the days of abstinence, I said it wrong, so on the days of, fast, on the, on the days of fasting, you must observe it on these days. On the days of abstinence, you must observe it on these days. And it was this long thing that was very much about, it felt very much like finger wagging. Um, so everything can be said two ways. Fasting can be said as a finger wagging thing. Fasting can be said as a very good thing for you. I mean, Jesus says sometimes these demons only go away if you pray and fast. If you do both things. I mean, he's just very clear about it. You need to pray and fast. And so when we say, well, we're not going to fast because the Catholics do it, we completely impoverish ourselves. It's the stupidest thing we could do. So everything can be said both ways. Now see, and prayer is a great example. So I can say to you, we can have this time on prayer, and then I can sort of say your prayers have to be perfect, and then you all go home and feel guilty, and then when you feel guilty, what happens? You don't pray. So we need to go the, so this great, I mean, this is a great, very helpful thing, you know, this is old man saying to us, you know, John, he's a very bright old man, now he's seen a lot of stuff, where he basically says, you got to relax a little bit, God doesn't need your prayers, and you're going to fail in your prayers. And when you fail in your prayers, it's going to be okay, because you're going to realize that you miss them, and that they're going to help you. And so when you fail in your prayers, the point isn't to feel guilty. The point is to say, well, I really missed that. It's a bit like somebody you love who goes away. You know, let's, t let's just take Sam Watts. We prayed for him this morning. So I can assure you that Sue has all these images of Sam when he's driving his bike off the roof of the school, for example, just to name one, you know, that she doesn't exactly cherish, or at least in that moment didn't exactly cherish it. But that's all. Now he's going to Afghanistan today. So... That's all going to fall away, and what she's only going to remember is how great it was, right? And that's my guy. And the other thing is, is if you saw him at church two weeks ago, what a strikingly handsome, young, upstanding, yes sir, no sir kind of guy. I mean, going to the Army will do that to you, right? Um, so anyway, the point of all this is, is, yes, you're going to fail, and yes, you can be exposed, and it's all going to be okay because in the end, saying your prayers is good for you. If you, could, if you could just, if you start with the fact that you've got sins, then discipline is helpful. It's not, it's not hurtful, it's helpful. You know, you don't slam your fingers in the car door. You know, that's a discipline not to do that. And whenever somebody slams their fingers in the car door, we go, ooh, I wish we wouldn't have done that. We should pay more attention, right? It's a discipline, something you're avoiding or something that you're doing, but it's, it's okay. So, um, you know, Satan turns out to be the biggest threat to your prayers. Um, but because you threaten him. Uh, Donna Loza sent me something to give to you, and now I have lost it. Oh, no, and Donna is going to check back with me. <laughs> Donna, <coughs> Donna, you're listening. I know you are. She's listening. I'm going to remember it, Donna. It said something like, uh, when you get out of bed, um, you know, be the sort of woman that, where Satan says, oh, no, she's up again. Uh, they're <laughs> close enough, Donna. That's the best I could do because I left it upstairs on my desk, okay? I know you're listening. You might even be watching. So, um, uh, you know, you, part of the thing is with your prayers, you undo Satan's work. You strengthen yourself. You bless those around you. You're um, good in the world. So, um, the Holy Spirit leads us to um, doing some good. Now, um, Jesus himself is a man of prayer. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is Jesus didn't need to pray. I mean, if, you, if you're in perfect communion with God and um, you've got no sins, you know, 
you don't need to pray, and yet he turns out to be a man of prayer. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews is all about what Jesus does, that he spends all this time praying, not just for himself, although you will hear him say, I, I wish there was another way when he gets to Gethsemane, but he spends all this day praying for you, and that's a very, very nice thing. Because once he shows the way, then you can pray as well. And that leads us then to the intercession of Jesus for us. This is like three dots down on your sheet. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. And so um, now, um, someday when you um, see the hex again, um, you might say to her, thank you for the 167,324 stitches in that pillow that she made. You know she made the Melchizedek pillow? And she knows exactly how many stitches are in it. Because her hands were like this at the end, right? She could hardly open her hands. Yes, that's right. But this is, um, the text is actually from, it's from Psalms, but it's actually reflected in Hebrews. Jesus lives forever. So now we change the pillow around because, of course, you know, we're starting to kneel and we're trying to keep it even. But it says on the front, a priest forever. And then on the side it says, after the order of Melchizedek. It's from the Psalms, but it's repeated in Hebrews. Jesus is the priest forever after the order. Here it is right here. Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. A priest forever. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. And so that's the difference between a complaint that's safe and a complaint that's not safe. A complaint that goes to God through Jesus, is compl- it's like insulation on a wire. It's, 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 you know, it's like water in a pipe. It's completely safe and it can't be tampered with. So your prayers go to the Father through him, for he always lives to intercede for us. If you said to Jesus, Americans are always so keen to say, you know, what is it that you do? That's how Americans, you know, define. Other cultures don't do that. They ask about your parents. They ask where you're from. They ask about your language. We always ask, what do people do? If you ask Jesus, what do you do now all day long? What do you do? He would say, I pray. He would have some other things, but he would say, I'm kind of a professional prayer. You're like, really? You say, well, have you seen this lot? There's so much to. That's, I mean, that's what he would do. There's so much to do, right? So Jesus is this priest who spends his day praying for us. Now, Luke 1, 1 to 13. Um, what happens in Luke 1, 1 to 13 is that you get some very practical uh, advice on praying. Okay. I'm sorry. What did I say? Uh, yes, I did mean. Luke 11, 1 to 13. It's actually on the sheet printed out for you. It's, it's contained there already. And you can mark on it then if you want. Um, so, this is, this is one of the best um, practical helps in the scriptures. And only Luke has it. Very interesting. But Luke is the long gospel because it's meant for Gentiles, and Gentiles need a little extra help. Jews, you know, were meant to recognize Jesus is the one, so the Gospels that went to the Jews are much shorter. Um, But this one, Luke-Acts, you know, kind of the single Gospel, Luke-Acts, we know now it's kind of, you know, it's kind of one Gospel, and it's split right where Luke is as long as a scroll was in the ancient world, and then they started a new scroll, and so you had Luke scroll, Acts scroll, but they're the same story, okay? So only Luke has this, and um, the interesting thing about it is that 
um, when you went to a rabbi, it was often very theoretical. There's a lot of theology involved, and, and, and now it reminds me a little bit of Mary's comment, which is you had to spend some time making your prayers perfect. Okay, there's a lot behind it. Jesus is very different. Um, where a rabbi would say to you, here's the theory of prayer, and then he would say, and here's some practical things. It would be like, you know, fold your hands, close your eyes, bow your head, kneel, you know, count the knots on your shawl. Um, Jesus is very, very practical in his praying. So look at this, um, Luke 11, 1 to 3. It's right there in front of you. And there's four different bits jammed into 13 verses. Jesus was praying in a certain place. So the first thing is, is that Jesus himself is praying. It's just that in its face of it is very interesting because he doesn't need to pray, but he keeps the discipline of prayer and he keeps the discipline for you. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So you see, it's very common. This is what a rabbi did. A rabbi taught, you know, taught people to pray. The church teaches people to pray. This American notion, you know, if if you see it, you know, grab a wooden stake and drive it right through the heart of this, that we're all on our own as individuals, is, is utterly impoverishing. You know, that we pray alone or that we can figure it out ourselves. Man, the church has never known that. Jesus didn't know that. The apostles didn't know that. Teach me to do this. John taught his people to do this. Rabbis taught other people to do this. Please teach us to pray. So he says to them, when you pray, say. And now what's interesting is, this gives you very little freedom in the first analysis. He doesn't say, you know, do whatever you want or make a big list or try this or maybe you should think about it a little bit. No, he gives them actually the exact words to say. When you pray, say this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, Luke's does not have deliver us from evil, which is actually very interesting because um, it's actually properly translated or easily translated or you can coin flip translate it as deliver us from the evil one big e big o which is often why traditionally in the you bless yourself at the point of saying that there's a couple of places you bless yourself in the service one is at the creed i believe in the resurrection of the body right in the life of the world to come amen another place where you commonly make the sign of the cross protect me from the evil one why do you do that why do you think you do that why would you do it there as opposed to any place else? And what is it that protects you? Yeah, it's the cross. The, the ultimate, you know, the ultimate, um, well, you remember um, the passion of the Christ. You remember how this, there's this moment where the devil thought he's won, just for a moment. Do you remember this? He thinks he's won. And then there's this great cry that comes with the understanding of, I've lost everything. Did we run it last week or this week about, wasn't it, was it the first margin comment from last week about the devil sizing up Jesus? Or is, no. Okay, this week to come. It is the coolest thing. It's like the devil is watching Jesus and he can't quite figure him out. He thinks he's got it. And he only figures out he's miscalculated after Good Friday. It is the most genius thing. It's like you're, you're like, that is exactly what happened. 
You know, he looks and he looks and he can't figure it out. And by all appearances, he thinks he's won. And then, you know, the end. Well, so deliver us from the evil one um, sort of chases the demons away because it's, it's like an electric shock. It's this great pain for the demons to see the sign of the cross, which is why, you know, in the vampire movies and stuff where they hold the cross up, that's actually not, that's not fiction. That's actually real. If you're in an exorcism, one of the things that you do is cling to a crucifix. I mean, that's what you do. One of the things that you do is, and I often prescribe for people who are addicted to um, evil things, one of the things that I suggest that they do is carry, uh, carry a crucifix and grip it at the point when they feel greatly tempted. Um, it's just a good, it's real, it works, it's practical. Um, so there you go. Put a body on it, though. Don't just, not two sticks together. Get a, get a body on it, okay? <laughs> a chap, yes, it will take the chap. <laughs> right. Do you want a chap? <laughs> take the chap every time. We'll take the chap every time, right? So, so, so the first, th- yeah, that's right, exactly. Yes, right, he's the chap. No, no, that's, that's all right. So, so the first thing you get, you know, is this genius thing, is when you pray, um, you say this. He gives them this prayer to pray. In fact, probably the, best, probably the best speculation is, is he's praying, and he gives you exactly the words. He gives them the prayer that he just said. So the Lord's Prayer is probably the Lord's Prayer because it is the prayer that Jesus himself said. This is what Jesus himself prayed for. And if you think about that, you know, often... Um, one of the great holes in my education, I think from my pastors, um, and maybe even professors, was that nobody ever sat down and said, um, pray with these words. And I would ask pastors and professors about their prayer lives, and um, I would often draw a blank from them. And I, I thought, at first I thought it was a bit shy, but later I think it's because uh, they were perplexed and maybe didn't know what to say, which is partly why, why I found um, prayer books to be so helpful, you know, like this book, for example. I mean, that second prayer of St. Clair, I mean, there's just nothing like that. You are a different kind of human being if you could pray that prayer. If you can write that, I mean, you are just a different, you're a different kind of, I mean, I don't know you. You're just like somebody I'm interested in and I can learn something from. And that is such a gentle, gospel sort of prayer. Who wouldn't want to pray that? When you get exposed to that, who wouldn't want to pray that? You know, help me to go through life this way and do a lot of good, but not to kick up too much dust. Yeah, the Mother Teresa blur was genius, you know. You're going to go through the life and you're going to kick up a lot of trouble, but just keep going. Yes, it's worth going. So anyway, you get Jesus gives them this prayer, and it's what he prays day and night. And I, you know, for you, if you're trying to get your prayer life going, all I can say to you, you know, the easiest thing is just to pick a minute and do it. So if you're, if you're not praying at all, just pick a minute and do it. But really, the traditional thing, all through the scriptures, everywhere is morning and evening. I mean, it just is everywhere. In creation, it was morning and evening the first day. In the temple, in the tabernacle, you go morning and evening sacrifices. It's all over the Psalms, in the morning and the evening. In fact, the Psalms, there are appointed morning and evening Psalms. They said some of these in the morning, he said some of these in the evening. Jesus, morning and evening, read the text. 
I mean, he's always morning and evening. He's in his prayer. Sometimes it goes all through the night because evening kind of turns into morning when he's especially grieved. And even the apostles, after Jesus was crucified, they continued to go to the temple until they were thrown out. You know, first they hid, but then they got brave, and then they kept going, and they became an annoyance because there they were, morning and evening in the temple. Read Acts. It doesn't have to be a long thing, and if, it, if, you're, if you're just starting or you're trying to get the habit going, if you can just, and just use a book, you know, get the book, say one prayer from there, say, you know, the Lord's Prayer with it. It's why Luther has a morning and evening prayer. You just, see if you can just do it, it'll be good for your soul. Anyway, that's what Jesus did, so if you need to know what to do. Um, the interesting thing, oh, I should ask you and not tell you, um, because I'm what's more curious that way. Plus, you learn stuff. Um, when you say "Our Father," what are you saying? I mean, what comes to? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, just when you, you, I mean, you turn out on Fridays for, I mean, you, you're weird. You come to class on Fridays, okay? So you have to know this kind of stuff. <laughs> when you say, when you say "Our Father," what sort of consolation do you get from that, or what comes to mind, or what's all the things that are going on in the "Our Father"? Go ahead. Really? Right, yeah. Then that's, that's not, you know what? Yeah, right. But that's actually a great take. Because real honestly, and sometimes fathers are bums, you know? Yeah, right. Absolutely. So you get, you get the father, you didn't. Uh, sometimes people go the other way. If they lost a father or they had a terrible father, they can't imagine starting a prayer, Our Father. That's one side. That happens. But the other side is exactly what you described, which is you can have the father you never had or don't have. So in one sense, you have this great consolation of um, kind of crawling up on his lap and telling him your story, right? And that's a great, that is a great comfort. You know, you got somebody, a good dad is somebody you can say anything to. I think it's part of what frustrates dads when, it frustrates moms too, when kids stop talking to you. When they're about, you know, 13, you're like, what in the world is going on there? And you actually know that you, and then one of, what's one of the joys when they get to be about 23? They, they start talking to you, right. They start talking to you again, right? And you're like, where have you been? Exactly right, yeah. Where, where have you been, you know? We could have, if, remember, think if we'd have been talking the last 10 years, how much, it would have been easier on all of us, right? Exactly right. No, right. So this is, so one of the things is this great notion of, I actually have a father. Yes, right. Absolutely. And you know, uh, absolutely. And the last, I don't know if you remember, 10 years ago, the last gap of historical criticism where people were sorting out what was in the scriptures and what wasn't in the scriptures, it was this thing called the Jesus Project, remember, and they colored the text. One of the very few things that was left after they kind of destroyed everything. Jesus didn't say that. Just One of the very few things that they let Jesus still be on his lips, they said, Jesus probably said this, was the Our Father. Because it was such a strange way to talk about God. Nobody talked that way. Nobody sort of talked with that sort of intimacy. So that's a really, really good thing. Go ahead. Yes, right. Plural. So the plural is important, too. Which means what about, you know, Mary Lou? Exactly. Right. Yeah, that's right. So you have the plural thing, 
You have um, the intimacy thing. Anything else? Yes, please. Right, yeah. Right. So in kind with Jesus means what? Yes, right. My big brother Jesus? Like that? Right. Right. And that goes very nicely with the next... Right. Yes, right. And so then the next bit, so, okay, so now I'll press you a little bit. That's very good. So then what happens with all the next petitions? All the petitions come, so it's our Father, so it's Jesus, you and I together saying this prayers. So what happens in the next petitions? I'm fishing for something, I'm not going to press you. But what happens in the petitions? Or let me ask you this. Just, does Jesus need the rest of the stuff that he prays for? So what happens then is your big brother Jesus sort of says, here's all the stuff that Mary needs. So he makes your needs his needs, right? So when he prays the Lord's Prayer, he's praying actually for you. Does that make sense? So he says, you know, our Father, which means I've got little brothers and sisters, here would be a really good way to take care of them. Now he himself is utterly taken care of, right? I mean, he has a thing that we, he has what Adam and Eve had. I mean, to say Adam and Eve is to say he had this perfect, he was fully human, had a perfect relationship with God. We can't even imagine what that is like. You know, that'll be the great gift of heaven, is when things, we, the, the stunner will be, you know, what life should have been, what life was meant to be. You know, in some sense, we're so broken and subhuman. You know, we get along, but we have no idea what it will be like. And one of the great things will be this perfect restoration, not only of ourselves, but of our relationships. Yes, please. Right. Seems to be. It seems to be that he gave them his own prayer. So they say, they say, give us, yeah, give us, yeah, tell us what we should say. Um, probably, it's probably the other way around. I thought that for a long time. It seems like it's the other way around, which is he's praying exactly. They said, what, it's basically they go to him and they say, what do you do? What are you doing? And he says to them, This is what I'm doing. That's the sense of the text, okay? So it's like, what are you doing? Well, this is what I do. And so when you, see, because you always do what your rabbi does. So you have this rabbi, and he says, this is the way we do it. Well, one of the things you do in your prayers is you pray for all the stuff you need, and then you pray for all the stuff that everybody else needs. But if you've already got all the stuff you need, you sort of fast forward to all the stuff that everybody else needs, right? So basically, in his prayers, you know, I'm sure there were other things that went on in his prayers. In fact, we hear in John 15 to 17, the big prayer, he's saying, we have this great relationship, and I know a lot of stuff, and you gave me these people, and this is what I'm concerned about, and I'm going to leave now, and they're going to get cranky, and you know, some of them are going to wander away, and right? So we know there were other things as well. But this seems to be the kind of the center of everything that he did. So, when you say your prayers tonight, our Father, you crawl up on his lap and you say, me and all my friends, (laughs) this is what we need, (laughs) right? And then you just sort of tick through it. You know, all the stuff you need. Um, You know, what we need is peace. What we need is the kingdom to come. What we need is daily bread. What we really need is forgiveness. What we need is protection. That comes in a couple of forms. Keep me away from things that would tempt me 
and keep the tempter away from me, right? So, um, you know, he takes everything we need, you know, right down to the food on your table. And he acts as if he takes control or he takes responsibility for it would be a better way to say it. He takes responsibility for all the things that you need to have, including the forgiveness of your sins. And he gives you a way through that. And um, the most terrible thing that we could ever face is going face-to-face -face with Satan. And you don't even have to worry about that, you know. Protect me from the evil one. And he sympathizes with you with how difficult it is because he knows, as, as, you know, as it says in one place in the scriptures, you know, he didn't trust himself to human beings because he knew what was in human beings. He actually knows what's inside. He knows how difficult it is and how much we suffer. And yet he doesn't give up on us, which is, of course, the, the best definition of love. When you know somebody just through and through, and you still stick by them. I mean, it's easy to love good people, right? It's easy to love good people. It's, you know, your enemies or, you know, your spouse or your kids when they are just brutal on you. That's, the, that's love, when you can still, still love them and still pray for them. That's the great stuff, right? And um, the best thing is, it's already 1030, but the best thing is, is because it's his prayer, you can pray it with confidence and you can pray it, you know, imperfectly, and you can pray it without guilt. You can just pray it. It just can't go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah, you could just. Um, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's a way that you can pray this, and it just it just can't go wrong, right? It is what it is, and it can't go wrong. And part of it is is what to. I, we had a great governing board meeting this this um, Tuesday for for one particular. There was kind of this, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do, and da 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 da. And Sandy Khan, you know, kind of brilliantly at one point said, well, um, you know, we, we probably ought to do this because it seems like the most proper thing to do, and we'll probably learn a little patience here. And, you know, it's kind of like, that was kind of a cool thy will be done thing where somebody can kind of say, I know it feels a little stressful here, but, if, you know, probably, which is kind of the fun of having, you know, 20 or 30 people in a room who are kind of hashing something out, and then they all sort of, you know, then somebody just kind of has the, the wise thing to say, like, you know, the Lord will sort this out. Just do the right thing. The Lord. Basically, what she said is, do the right thing, and the Lord will sort it out. And that was like, you know, it was so refreshing to hear a bunch of people say, yeah, the most important thing is to do the right thing, and the Lord will sort it out. It was, you were there. It was, it was very, very nice. It was, a, it was a huge, mature moment for that group of people kind of working together. It was, this is a very, very, it was very mature and was fun, actually, you know, um, because people... We're in it together. Very nice. So, anyway, I, the takeaway, I guess, is a couple things. Please, you know, tr see if you can, you're, you know, you're at least, it's kind of the advanced class. You come on Fridays. Um, you know, see if you can do something in the morning and in the evening, even if it's just the Lord's Prayer in the morning and the evening. Try not to, try not to sweat it. I mean, try not to, like, ah, I don't, I just, I just, you know, it takes you about 60 seconds. Now, here's the thing. If you continue with this, it'll take you about 60 minutes. 
I think I told you in the early church they used to pray the petition and then they'd add in all the things under the Our Father. So Our Father, and then like, Jeanette, would you like to say something? And Mary, this is your turn. Have we got anybody else who has any father type things? Because we're about to go, you know, to the who art in heaven. And then we'd have Adelhelm stand up and talk. Anything I would say about heaven this way? I mean, that's how it was one way. Like, you know, we always pray three or five or seven prayers. They, they would just pull it into the Our Father. Well, what you'll find in your own prayers is that's what will happen. You'll have some father thoughts, and then you'll have some thy will be done thoughts, and then you'll have some daily bread thoughts. And But if you could just like start morning and evening, it can't go wrong. You can't pray a bad prayer, you know. You can't pray a bad prayer when you're saying the Lord's Supper. It can't go wrong. You can't feel guilty about it because it's perfect, because it's the prayer that the Lord gave us. So it's just a win-win-win all around. And that's just the first bit of this. we still got to do some more stuff. So if you could struggle a, w- a little bit with um, the rest, rest of this text, next week we'll go through, you know, beyond the Lord's Prayer, because those are three very interesting stories that are crammed into just the rest of 13 verses, okay? Uh, okay, let's pray, and then you're on your own. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. Have a good Lent. Keep going. Um, See you next week.